Welcome to Main Menu for the week of March 29 through April 4, 2013. I'm your host, David Tanner, and very glad to be with you here on Main Menu today. Glad you could make it today. If you're a returning listener, we are glad to have you back with us today. If you're a new listener, welcome aboard. We are very pleased that you dropped by to listen to Main Menu today and hope you'll continue to come back. We try to make our segments here on Main Menu interesting and uh, informative to you and hope that you get a lot out of it. If you have comments for us, whether you're a returning listener or a new listener, you can always make comments and give us your feedback or suggestions for what you'd like to hear on Main Menu in the future by coming to www.mainmenu.acbradio.org. You can fill out a comment sheet there, join the, the fun and information on the Main Menu friends mailing list, or you can check us out on Twitter at hashtag MainMenu. I want to thank Chase Crispin, our executive producer, for setting in for me last week. I was very, very busy last week, and I really appreciated Chase setting in and taking the show last week. You did a great job, as always, and thank you very much for doing that, Chase. I really appreciate it. Well, this week on Main Menu, we have a number of presentations for you. I'm going to start out with an interview with the folks from Bookshare.org. They're going to be talking about a new feature of their web page and I think you'll be very interested in hearing about that and a few other things that are on the burner now for Bookshare and some uh, new records they're about to set and number of users and number of books they have on Bookshare. You'll want to hear all about that and then David Woodbridge from Vision Australia is going to come along and talk to you about the Silver Dollar game from the Mac and demo that a little bit for you and then Tim Cummings of the Main Menu staff is going to come and talk to us about the Fox L speaker, and I think you'll be interested in that, and uh, sounds like a pretty nice speaker, and you want to hear all about that, and then David Woodbridge will come back and tell us about the Do Not Disturb feature in iOS 6 for your iPhone, and that's what's up this week on Main Menu. You have a great week. We'll see you back here again next week on Main Menu. Hi, I'm Chase Crispin, the executive producer of Main Menu. I'm here today to invite you, the listener, to submit to Main Menu. Do you have an accessible game, appliance, piece of software, hardware device, or anything else that you would like to demo that you have not heard about here on Main Menu? If so, are you interested in submitting a review of this product to Main Menu? If so, please first email mainmenu at acbradio.org. In that email, make sure to tell us what you would like to cover for Main Menu. If this is a topic that we are interested in and has not been recently covered, we will be glad to have you submit this piece to the show. Begin to record your piece by eliminating all background noise, including TVs, radios, other people talking, loud fans, etc. If applicable, turn down the speech rate on the device that you are demoing. Once you have recorded your file, it is recommended that you edit the submission. 
If you can save your file in MP3 format, please encode your file at 128 kbps, 44.1 kilohertz, stereo. If you must use another format, bit rate, or sampling rate, we can take care of the conversion for you. However, we recommend that you get your submission to us in the format previously mentioned. It is also recommended that you edit your piece. This may include editing out long pauses, mistakes, a lot of ums, or other fumble words. If you are not able to edit your piece but you feel it needs edited, please email us at mainmenu at acbradio.org and someone on the Main Menu production team can edit your submission for you. You can also contact the production team by visiting mainmenu.acbradio.org and clicking on the staff directory link. Once you have your file ready, please contact us at the email address previously mentioned, and we will let you know how to get your submission to us, and we will also let you know when it will be able to be aired on the show. We appreciate your continued interest and support in ACB Radio's main menu, and we look forward to hearing you on the show. I am very pleased to have with me today on Main Menu two people from Bookshare. First, Ann Bowie, who is Director of Product Strategies, and she's going to tell us all about what they do in product strategies and a whole lot of about the new things that Bookshare has been doing over the past few months. And who knows, we might even get her to talk a little bit about what they're going to do in the future. And then Rob Turner from Quality Assurance is going to tell us about these new products too and how he does what he does and how that fits into the picture of making sure that all of the products from Bookshare are kept up to the good quality that Bookshare is so famous for and to make using Bookshare easier for you and for me. So welcome Ann and Rob and I'm going to turn it over to you to for whatever kind of remarks you want to make and then we'll have a conversation here as I have questions or and see if you have answers and uh welcome thank you thank you very much david um so uh first of all thank you for this opportunity we're really excited to be able to to have a chat with you on main menu and um let me just say also your timing is great uh because we have just come across come off of um, some major launches of new features for bookshare that we're really excited about i mean as you know bookshare is 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 uh, really committed to trying to build new tools and really useful tools and exciting tools that can keep um to get you know get more content in front of uh students and other readers so that the the things that we've just recently introduced, I think, really answer the, that, that particular call, that passion of ours. Um, the Back in January, we launched our Bookshare web reader and our, also our Bookshare bookshelf, um, which are two features that go hand in hand that really make the experience of Bookshare so much easier, so much more quick, so um, much more intuitive for many folks that will allow them to get the content up much faster. So basically what the Bookshare, well, let's start with the Bookshare reader. What the Bookshare reader is, is a web-based reader of content that is hooked directly into Bookshare so that if you happen to be on the Bookshare website and you're browsing for a book um, and you are a a member who is uh, able to see that content, 
content, you could click a little button or a link um, next to the title of that book called uh, Read Now, and that'll launch that book in your web browser. Um, it might take a moment or two for us to package the book, get it all ready, but then there's no downloading of the file. There's no trying to find it in your file system. There's no trying to upload it to another device. You're right there. It's right there with you in the browser. Um, and we are also really excited that once you're looking at that book in the Bookshare web reader, you're reading that book. Uh, if you are using Chrome, we have built-in uh, built-in Chrome uh, TTS, uh, that extension that actually will give you that text-to-speech experience right within the Bookshare reader without uh, necessarily having a separate screen reader. So we're really excited about that. Okay. Um, the What makes this really great in particular for, for students is pairing it up with our bookshelf. And actually, I shouldn't say just for students. Bookshelf is really great for anyone who is reading more than one book at any given time. Um, and that's a lot of our readers. Um, and essentially what Bookshelf is, is tied to your account, uh, your individual account on Bookshare, is uh, an ability to create one or more bookshelves that you can use to sort, list, uh, save titles that you're interested in. So let's say you're, you know, uh, particularly you're, you're, you're uh, going to Hawaii and you want to read up on Hawaii and you've got a bunch of titles you're interested in, you could get a Hawaii bookshelf. And as you're going through Bookshare, searching for those Hawaii titles, uh, you could be adding them to your bookshelf and then you would have this great, neat little um, uh, list that you could go back to. And from that list, click on read now and read your Hawaii books right in your browser. So again, we're really excited about that feature. And there's 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 also uh, many advantages for our Bookshare users who are students and their sponsors as well, um, because those folks who are putting together uh, class lists or other reading materials for students can create bookshelves that they can share with their students um, and share with multiple students. And it makes it a lot easier to manage all those books the students have to get to. And then if the students are individual members, again, they can go in, take a look at that bookshelf that their teacher has put together for them, click that Read Now button and get to that book right away. So then could um could you are you telling me like you, that you could have multiple bookshelves you indeed you could have as many bookshelves as you need and you can name them uh any way that would make sense for you so for a say a college student they could have a separate bookshelf like for each class that they had or, mm-hmm. or if it was uh, even well even if it was in uh, high school or whatever for each yes. different class okay Absolutely. Well, that would make, sure make life easier sometimes. <laughs> yeah, well, the nice thing, too, about the bookshelves is as you're looking through a list of books and you, you find some that are of interest, you can just go ahead and add them to the bookshelf without actually downloading them or anything at that point, okay. and you can refer to them later. Okay. Yeah, and the, you know the, the features for it, the educational setting are really just I think where it's particularly important because as you say you can sh- you can have multiple shelves for multiple classes, but you can also have a single shelf for multiple students. So if you've got three kids in the district who are all using the same set of books for a class on I don't know health, um, you could assign that health book to those three students, um, and they would all be able to go in and access that bookshelf. And then if they're halfway during the semester, you decide that there's a couple other books you'd like them to read as part of that class, add them to that bookshelf, and it goes out to those students right away. They, they have access to that shelf right away so that they're not, uh, you don't have to work individually with each student. Okay. So now, let's say uh, that it is, let's say, in, in, in the school district or something like that, then would that probably be something where it's going to be maybe a teacher that has the account and she adds students to it? Is is that the way that works a lot of times? Or? Yeah, that's right. That's right. We have members um, um, that are organizational 
members, which is to say that they are students within a, uh, a school or a district who are um, uh, whose content can be managed via a, uh, a teacher. So that, for instance, that student doesn't necessarily have to go on to the Bookshare website to get that content. Um, we think that with the advent of the, the bookshelf and the web reader in particular, there's a lot of incentive for that student to want to get on that site. But maybe that student needs uh, some assistance determining what books to read. And that's where that teacher comes in. Okay. And... and um... Do for something like that, I would I would guess probably there's maybe is there like a, a common password that everybody using a particular bookshelf would use, or is there anything special that has to be done? Uh, and what about the person that has the, an individual membership? Um, how does that work if they also have some books that they're getting, say, from uh, an account like from a teacher? Great question. Um, so any anyone accessing a bookshelf uh, would need to have an individual membership. And um, many of our students um, are what you would call, uh, well, there's a technical term for it, but I won't use the technical term. Basically, they're students who have both an organizational membership and their own individual membership. Okay, okay. Um, and so they that way that they, have, they, they get all the great benefits of having um, a teacher who can facilitate, you know, helping them get the content that they need, as well as the ability to go in and, and do independently, um, you know, create their own bookshelf. So as a student, I could have a bookshelf that, that was created for me for my high school classes by my teachers, and or, and then I could have a separate bookshelf that I created for my personal reading. Okay. Um, okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense, because I may want to read other things than just read what I read for class. <laughs> I hope you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, okay, so um, what else can you tell me about all of these new things? And, and uh, what uh, the, the, now the reader, how does that work? The, the web reader, um, what the way it would work is, is so let's say that you've uh, you found a book, either you did a, a quick search, which lets you search by uh, title, author, or ISBN number, or perhaps you took advantage of our advanced search, which allows you to search on uh, specifically on those fields, title, author, ISBN, or and you can also specify language, uh, various uh, categories. So it's it's a, it's a more sophisticated search, and that you can really help help narrow narrow down your what you're looking for. <clears throat> so so you found the book in uh, let's say that's how you found the book. Um, <clears throat> that book will have a read now link, and so you would uh, choose the read now link. Now, if the book needs to be converted uh, for use with the web reader, then it's going to take. Uh, either uh, a couple of minutes or usually doesn't go much beyond you know five minutes but we don't always know how long it's going to take so the actual message says from basically a few minutes to a few hours but it, they don't they don't take a few hours fortunately okay that's <laughs> so, good <laughs> yeah yeah that is good i think you know uh, sometimes easy audiobooks take a while to convert but, but not the not the books for the web readers and so once that's done uh, once the conversion happens the uh, web reader will will pop up now I'm assuming that for for most of us, as uh, I'm also a blind individual, so uh, for most of us, we're going to be using uh, the web reader with a screen reader uh, like Jaws or Window Eyes or probably you know NVDA, whichever screen reader, uh, and we're probably not going to be using Google Chrome for the most part. Uh, so <clears throat> what we're going what, what's going to happen is you're going to get the uh, web readers will, will come up, and at the very top of the page, uh, there's some buttons. Uh, it's a toolbar, and you're going to have, uh, like, you'll have next and previous and table of contents, and uh, those are the main ones that are, or return to Bookshare. So those are the main ones that you're going to use. 
And just like when you open uh, an XML file in your web browser, you're going to have access to that heading navigation that you can use to move around in a daisy book. So, for example, uh, if I'm reading a book that has... uh, uh, that's properly formatted with uh, chapters and let's say sections of chapters, I'll be able to use my heading navigation to quickly move between chapters and then also to the various subsections of each chapter uh, using the screen reader commands. Now, the only difference with web reader, though, is web reader divides the book into usually two parts. There's the front matter, which is usually the legal notice, plus whatever the Roman numeral pages of the book might be. Uh, could be acknowledgments or... Uh, you know, beginning what they call yeah. front material. Right. Uh, and then in order to get to the remainder of the book, you, you, you have to choose the next button. And then that will take you to the body of the book. And in some cases, books have what they call rear matter. And in order to get to that rear matter, you have to press uh, the next button again. But like I said, the nice thing about the web reader is that you don't have to do any unzipping or, or anything. And that book is available, um, you know, very quickly. Once once it's been converted, the, the web reader pops up very fast when you choose the uh, read now link now the web reader is only available with uh, uh well it's available with ie9 and and beyond um with uh, firefox uh, late later versions of firefox and with safari uh but it won't work with some older versions of internet explorer well uh, not so even that, internet explorer 5 no <laughs> definitely not <laughs> okay so well so we, one of my questions one of my questions is you know one of the daisy is wonderful you know a but I, I often think about, well, what if I needed to look up a specific term? Um, uh-huh. And with DAISY, that can be a problem. It really shouldn't be anything. There's there's several ways to, to read our DAISY books. Uh, some might be using uh, Victor Readersoft. Uh, perhaps many of the, the subscribers would be uh, transferring the DAISY books onto a player. Mm-hmm. Uh, the nice thing, though, uh, if you're doing it on the computer and you're just using our web reader. You can do a screen reader find, and you can okay. quickly you can quickly get to uh, whatever whatever word you're looking for. Okay, and I assumed that was probably possible, and that's why I kind of wanted anyone to bring it up because mm-hmm. I know what I use a lot is, and I absolutely love it. But as far as I know, there is no way to do a search and find a a particular word in it. Is the read to go? Right. And and it's like, well, what if yeah. I needed to, you know, search for a, a particular term or uh, right. I, I was trying to find particular information? Um, yeah. it, I, the, it sounds like in that case, the web reader might really be a big advantage. Yeah, I think if you really need to do a lot of lookups and so forth, that, that would be true. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's say that I've read through a part say I have a fairly long assignment um, and uh, I okay, and I think back to my first day in college and I had three classes that day and by the time I walked out of my last class I only had almost 300 pages worth of assignments to do and uh, and for three classes and I and I'm was was totally overwhelmed <laughs> but but um, so of course if I'm with one of those classes happens to be American history I maybe had to 
read the first chapter and now or maybe just part of the first chapter or whatever if i've been in and i've read a part of something particularly in something like a textbook or other books too yeah when i leave the book does it can i drop a some kind of a bookmark so i can get back there well, yeah, when you, with web reader, if you've been reading the book um, and you left off at, let's say, the beginning of chapter six, uh, when you come back into that book, you'll be returned to that location. Okay. So that that will make it a little bit easier. And also, in with uh, read to go, you you can set a bookmark as well. Right. Uh, but with web reader, uh, the other nice thing about web reader is you can use the table of contents. Uh, button and you can quickly uh, choose the chapter that you want to go to okay. and uh, click on that link and it'll take you right there too so yeah that's that's a nice feature of web reader okay um okay um anything else you wanted to talk about either one of you wanted to talk about as far as the web reader or the bookshelf well, let's see. I'm trying to think if there's anything I'd want to cover about where. No, I think that covers the basics of it pretty yeah. well. Well, we this we're we're very new in the launch of this. As I say, we we only formally launched both features in January, okay. and you know we're in the process right now of really trying to make sure we're letting people know that this is available. Um, so this is a great opportunity so that folks can try it and then give us the feedback. I mean, as I'm mm-hmm. listening to your questions, I'm thinking, boy, I would love to have you on a on a user feedback forum um, because that. <laughs> Exactly the kind of uh, feedback that's helpful for us to say, you know what, we had all these ideas, of, we have all these wonderful ideas about ways that we could improve the experience even more. Um, we want to make sure that those ideas resonate with us as well. Because um, we, a lot of what we did for both of these, we really did in response to feedback that we got from users of Bookshare. Um, you know, if, if it felt like things were difficult to get to because the downloading process was just difficult, we wanted to get that resolved. If, if teachers felt like, you know, there's got to be a better way to manage the way that I can uh, help my students get to the content they need, we wanted to make sure that Bookshare shall answer those as well so so i think look for more stuff coming and you know in 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 bookshare and in these two particular uh uh, features within bookshare um but a lot of that is going to come from really seeing people use it and hearing what they think and so far it's been really positive you know there's one other feature that i don't think has gotten a lot of publicity so far uh, david and that is also our book history feature uh, and so what that is, is uh, on your taskbar at the top of the page, you're going to see a listing for book history. And when you when you choose that, you're, you're basically going to see all the books that you've downloaded. And um, so that is another way to, to just sort of, you know, if you if you didn't put a book on a bookshelf, you downloaded it and you'd kind of forgotten about it or, or whatever, that this would be a quick way to find it. And it also preserves the format that you downloaded it in. So um, it, it tells you, you know, if you download it as a Daisy audio book or Daisy text or or VRF or, or, or whatever. Okay, here's so. my here's my question <laughs> directly <laughs> related to that because I have a tendency to because it's easy sitting in the easy chair, you know, with with, with the good old iTouch or the iPhone. Sit there and look through, and I find a book I want, and I download it. But now I find that mm, I'd like to have that in Braille too. Uh, and I go to the website. And I get there, and be darned if I don't forget part of the title, and I I, I I don't know who the author is. And if I go to history and I find the book, and you said it reads, it tells you like the the format. Could you say, well, okay, so I downloaded it last time in this format, but now I want it in Braille. Can you do that? Oh yeah, yeah. You can always choose. Um, you know, if you you can always click on the book's title link to be able to choose a different format. Okay, okay. And you'll get to the detail page. 
Um, and so and that's one way to do it. And uh, we also have now, it's a drop-down. Uh, it's a combo box uh, that lists all the different formats that different we offer. Formats. Yeah, I saw that. And that that's helpful, too. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the, the audio daisy, is it just audio, or is it, does it have the do- no. audio and the text? Or? Yes, it is. It's, it's a, that's, a, that's the wonderful thing about our our daisy audio, is it is actually a combination of text and audio. And, of course, it's uh, pretty well synchronized, too. So what I really like about the Daisy Audio feature is that uh, if I'm a college student especially, uh, you know, I remember hearing a story about a fellow who uh, was, uh, he had been doing a report on uh, The Shining Path. It was a Peruvian uh, group, so kind of, I don't remember the details, but in his term paper, he'd misspelled it consistently all all the way through. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, he was only hearing the name pronounced and and he never saw it. So uh, the wonderful thing with our Daisy Audio is you can, so if I'm reading a book and I come across a term that I want to check the spelling of, uh, most of the new portable Daisy readers have a, a fairly quick way of switching between audio and text. And so uh, if you know if I have a question about a spelling, I can quickly switch over to text, get the spelling of the word, and then go back to the Daisy audio. Uh, okay, the- yeah, I, I know like in the stream, well, I haven't seen the new one, but the original stream, yeah. you could switch from, from, you know, speech to audio. If it, right. Yeah. So Exactly. I, yeah, okay. The number, the number nine key right. would switch you uh, between the two. And of course, as these, as these players... Uh, begin to use uh, Heather or Ryan or, or these more advanced or, or shall we say more intelligible voices uh, I mean there won't be may not be as much of a need to switch to the Daisy audio but um, I, I like our Ivona voice uh, Kendra I think it's a wonderful voice for, for listening to uh, I've heard some it. other people say that too yeah yeah um, it's it's really I've gotten to the point where I can actually read novels with it and, and, and still enjoy it uh, you know so well, well, I know, I know when I first got the Read to Go app and I saw Ryan and I'm like, oh no, because there, there, Ryan was also in the Canopy Reader and in the Canopy Reader, I always thought Ryan was absolutely horrible. Mm. And when I heard Ryan in Read to Go, I was like, wow, has he improved? Uh, <laughs> I almost prefer him over over Heather, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ryan. He is just so clear and it just, wow. Yeah, no, the voices are really getting better. Yeah. Um, okay. And so what would you say, and I, I know, I mean, I'm just asking for an average, okay? Um, yeah. What would you, if a person is downloading an audio Daisy book, and you know, for for some of us it doesn't make that much of a difference. We've got a fast internet connection in that. Yeah. But what would you say on average the size of an audio Daisy download would be? Uh, you're going to have to figure about 18 megabytes for every hour of, of, the, of the book. Okay. Okay. Uh, unlike, unlike NLS, uh, who uses the AMRWB Plus uh, format. Uh, they average about 11 megabytes uh, per hour. Uh, okay. And they still have some mighty big files. I've seen some. Oh, yeah. They, oh, some of these books can be can be pretty big. Yeah, you'd want to have a good, fast uh, connection or just allow plenty of time to, uh, you know, to download it. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, because you know, whether we want to, 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 to know it or not, the fact is not all of us have real fast Internet. Some people still have some fairly slow Internet. Yeah. Well, that's the great thing about the Daisy Text, you know, is that if 
files are quite small and you know if you've got a decent synthetic voice on your player then uh, you're, you can easily make do right right yeah that's why I was just trying to get an idea of what what um, some average might be would you mm-hmm. say probably most would be probably a uh, hundred meg or more probably well I think so most books probably let's figure the average book is about what seven hours or so something like okay. that or you know um, you know you figure 18 times seven is a little over 100 100 megs so sure. okay. so yeah mm-hmm. okay okay and uh, so it's really good to know though that, that with the audio daisy you get both text and and the audio so that if you if there is something that you don't know how to spell um you can look it up yeah, and then the other thing on some players, of course, they have a search capability as well, where you can switch over to text and search for a, a particular term, like you can on the stream, for instance. Mm-hmm. Well, I know I noticed one of uh, the players that one of their that their their most recent update has the ability to actually type in a term on the keypad and have it search within in within the file for that. Yeah. Oh, well, that's kind of exactly. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that was um, I think it was book sense. That is yes. Uh, that is correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, well, that's great. Anything else that we that's new that we need to talk about? I understand you're getting close to that two hundred thousand mark on books, and that there's maybe a counter. I think Betsy told me uh, on the web. There's a counter on all now. Yeah, I was just gonna say. Well, <laughs> I mean, like the the other part of the story, other than the technology, is the content, right? And uh, right. and uh, you're right. We're we're getting there. We we're over. In fact, I can go on the site right now, and I will tell you that the counter currently reads one hundred eighty-one thousand one hundred forty-six titles in Bookshare. Wow. Which is yeah. And so it's growing by leaps and bounds. We're really excited about that. Um, I just just yesterday I got an email, series of emails about um, some great new publishers that we've signed. I'm not sure that I can share right now who they are, but but um, it's really we're we're I think really moving exponentially, as I say, through in getting and getting more content. So that's really exciting. Um, we also are growing in terms of members as well. Um, we've got over 200,000 members now, um, and that's that's just going to get bigger as well. So we're we're excited about the growth, but that also means you know it's going to be a mo- even more important job for us to make sure that we uh, understand the needs of what's a growing audience um, and building the right tools into the service to make sure that, that those needs are addressed. I know it blew my mind when I heard there the other day when I was told there was over 200,000 users and I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> I had no idea they'd gotten that big, that many. Like, wow, wow. What is... If if a person has a book that they need right away or fairly soon, what what would you say? You know, something that's not real technical, but maybe they do need it for a class, but it's not you know something that's highly technical, scientific stuff or something. Like that. What would you say probably would be an average turnaround time with something? Like. I think that's a really good question, and and you know I would hate to commit to an average turnaround time because it does vary so greatly. Um, it varies on the time of year that it's asked. Uh, sure. It varies, as you say, the difficulty of the content. Uh, sometimes we'll get a request from from a user for a textbook that they really need, and and we'll find out that the textbook is in the is in the NIMAC, and we'll get that out right away. Uh, other times it turns out that the textbook is not available in a digital form, and it needs to be chopped and scanned, and we want to make sure to be responsive to that need too. And that takes a bit longer. So so it, it does vary. Pretty widely um but we definitely get a healthy number of requests uh particularly for students 
uh, and we'll also take requests for um, uh, quality improvement. I'm, I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. sure folks are aware that if you find a, an issue with one of the Bookshare books and you're reading along and there's a problem, let us know about it um, because we want to be able to improve the quality of the books as well uh, as the number. So when you go to the book detail page, uh, one of the headings you're going to see is, is book quality. And there's a, a link there to file a book quality report. And that will go directly to our collection development department and they can take a look at it and sometimes they can fix it pretty quickly. Well, I understand that you've got a uh, an international audience. Yes, so you do. I, so I wanted to give a shout out to our friends across the waters um, because I think, um, I don't know how many folks know that you can get an international membership uh, to Bookshare um, and different countries will have different uh different titles that they will have access to but uh, you know we have a fair number of publishers who have granted us uh, the rights to distribute um, books to qualified users uh, internationally um, so if you're in Canada if you're in Australia if you're in New Zealand if you're you know uh, we're in many different countries so uh, that's another opportunity okay and I would assume that regardless from what country they're from they can come to the bookshare webpage and get uh, the uh, all the information they would need. Absolutely. Bookshare.org. Okay. Bookshare.org. I really appreciate having you both on and hearing about the new web reader and the bookshelf. Sounds like some um, really interesting and very usable uh, new products that you have. And I know the people that I've talked to have, who have been using them are quite impressed with them. The And at this point, I think the only question that I have left, you had mentioned something about Chrome, and I wonder if this works with Chrome on the Mac and on on Windows or just on Windows or no, it would be, uh, if it's Chrome, if it's Google Chrome, then it wouldn't matter if it's uh, on, on Mac or Windows. Okay. It, w- it would, uh, you, you would be able to use the uh, TTS voice. Now, the only thing, uh, a little bit of a caution for the uh, blind audience is that, uh, yes, you can uh, use the Chrome TTS, but you won't have uh, much in the way of navigation in terms of reading by character, words. So there, there's some limitations there um, that, that would make that probably not, not as desirable as doing it with a screen reader. Okay, all right. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a good thing to know so that a person could be a little more picky if they need maybe more precise ability to navigate. Yeah, no, for a person with, you know, and it may be for a person with low vision who, who really sees the screen pretty well, that right. that may not be as critical. Uh, but for a lot of us who are totally blind, uh, we, we need a little bit more of a, a granular uh, navigation right. capability just to be able to make sense of it. Okay. okay. Well, thank you both for coming on Ming Menu and talking about the new features of the Bookshare website and, and the way Bookshare is continuing to grow not only in quality and number of book titles available, but also in membership. I want to wish you about the best of luck with uh, the, the all the new products, and we'll be watching for uh, more things as time goes along. It's been a real pri- privilege to have you on and hear all about all this. Thanks, David. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure talking with you. Okay, thank you. following presentation is brought to you on Main Menu, courtesy of David Woodbridge and Vision Australia. To find out more about Vision Australia, visit them on the web at www.visionaustralia.org. Vision Australia. 
Blindness and Low Vision Services. Welcome to this demonstration of Silver Dollar, a new Mac app game that you can download from the Mac App Store for approximately $1.99, depending on where in the world you may be and your exchange rate. And as I just said, you can download this app off the Mac App Store. If you go into the Find Command with Command F and just type in Silver Dollar, or one word with a capital S for Silver and a capital D for Dollar. I've already downloaded and installed Silver Dollar on my Mac, but as usual, before I get started, let me just say that my MacBook Pro is turned on, VoiceOver is running, and as usual, let us start from a known spot on the Mac by going to the desktop with the VoiceOver command Shift VOD. Of course, the VO keys being the Control and Option keys held down together. So I'll do that now. Shift VOD or Shift Control Option D. Desktop. Let's go into the Applications folder with Shift Command A. Applications. Now in Applications window. Now, since I've already downloaded and installed Silver Dollar from the Mac App Store, I'm just going to type in S I L V. Silver Dollar application. As you might have heard it said silverdollar.app, that's because I've got my file extensions turned on in Finder. Now since I don't need VoiceOver to use silverdollar, I'm actually going to do command F5. VoiceOver off. It turns VoiceOver off and I'm going to press command plus O to run the game. Hey there, partner. Welcome to the Silver Dollar Saloon. Looks like you've been hitting the trail pretty hard. What you looking to do, son? Start a brawl. Now, if I don't press any key... Press listen. return to play. Use the up and down arrows to select an option. Okay, so that tells you what to do. Press enter to play, or up and down arrow to select an option. So the first game is start a brawl. I press down arrow. Down Prove arrow. yourself a gunslinger. Prove yourself gunslinger. Try your luck at the one-armed bandit. Try your luck at the one-armed bandit. Shake the dust of this place off your boots. This is quit. Press Listen. return to quit. Okay, press Use return Use the to up quit. and down arrows to select your option. And of course the extra help about up and arrow to select an option. Okay, so let us go and choose two of these just for the demo. So I'm just going to press up arrow. Try your luck at the one-armed bandit. Okay, and I press enter. Use the left shift key to feed dollars into the slot. Use the right shift key to pull the lever. Press the down arrow to review the one-armed bandit's pay table. Press escape to quit. Okay, so I'm going to do a dollar. And as you can tell, we've got lots of sound effects in the background. I'm going to press the left shift key. There's a dollar. And I'm going to press the right shift key to pull the lever of the one arm bandit. Oh, better luck next time, partner. Okay, let's do two more bets. I'm going to press the left shift key twice for two dollars. And right shift key. Oh, better luck next time, partner. Now, the third bet I'm going to do, I'm actually going to bet everything. So I'm just going to keep pressing the left shift key. Okay, and I've done all my coins. Now I'm going to press the right shift key so it's all or nothing. Okay, here we go, right shift key. Uh-oh. Oh, good. You've won a payout of $17. You've got 17 in silver dollars. Oh, why stop now? Let's bet another $17 then. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Just make sure I've got no more money. I press it again. Left shift key. No, that's it. Right shift key. 
Oh no, I'm winning in. Oh my goodness. You've won a payout of $68. You've got 68 in silver dollars. <laughs> okay, I think I'll stop while I'm ahead, so I'm just gonna press the escape key. What's your poison? Start a brawl. Press return to play. Use the up and down arrows to select an option. Okay, so I just hit the help guide at the time. Okay, let's try the gunslinger one. So I'm gonna press the down arrow. Test your skill at shooting. Would you like some instructions on how to play? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. How to prove yourself a gunslinger. Every now and then, a gunslinger's gotta prove his salt. Missy, the Silver Dollar Saloon's resident barmaid, has a wicked way with crockery. She can throw plates better, faster, and more accurately than a crooked prospector Hawken. Use gold mines. Use the up and down arrows to browse the okay, tutorial. Okay, the As she browse hapless pieces of saloon china, you'll hear them travel from left to right or right to left. Use the up and down arrows okay, to browse. Again. It's up to you with your lightning quick gunslinger reflexes to aim your six shooter at the plate as it flies by with the left and right arrow keys. Use the up and down arrows to browse. Once you've got a plate in your sights, you pull the trigger of your widow maker by pressing the up arrow key and shoot the plate out of the air. Except, nothing will happen unless you've remembered to cock your gun before pulling the trigger. By pressing the down arrow key, use the up and down arrows okay, to browse the tutorial. There, press, press escape to exit. Round one. Let's start you off easy with some dinner plates. I'm gonna shoot in the middle. Put my gun. Shoot. Put my gun. Shoot. Put my gun. Middle. Shoot. Ah, missed. Put my gun. Shoot. Missed. Put my gun. Your score is 134. Round 2. And I can move my gun left and right like that. Pop, shoot, pop. Oh, excellent shooting. And another game, shoot. Pop, shoot. And to the left, pop, shoot. Good God, Your man. score is 485. Round 3. And to the right, pop, shoot. Oh, and left, shoot. Left, left, shoot! Ah! Left, shoot! Left, shoot! And middle right, shoot! Pop, shoot! And left, shoot! Oops, missed! Pop my gun, shoot! Nope, I'm out of bullets. Your score is 844, round 4. I'm actually gonna miss all these this time to get out of this section. And shoot again, try to miss it, yes! Pop, shoot! Miss again, miss! Your score is 844. Wanna do that again? Yes, sir, Eba. And then after no move. way. And press it up. What can I do for you? And Start back a at brawl. The main menu. Press return to play. Use the up and down arrows to select your option. Now, in that shooting type game, as long as you keep hitting the plates, and the plates do get smaller as they fly past left and right. You can keep going. I've got as far as level 22, and I was up to about 16,000 points, I think. 
or maybe a bit higher. I'll leave you to play with the starter brawl one. But for the moment, that's the completion of this particular demo. As you can tell, it's got lots of fun characters in the background, and the characters even get more fun when you're playing the games. Okay, so let's press escape to exit the Silver Dollar, otherwise called the Silver Dollar Saloon, by pressing the escape key. Happy trails. Okay, so we're out of the game. I'm going to press Command R to turn voiceover back on. Voiceover on Finder, Applications, Window. I'm going to do Command W to close that window, go back to my desktop. Close window, now in desktop. As you might have heard, I've got voiceover going a lot faster than the system voice that the self-voicing game Silver Dollar was using. But I want to show you how to adjust the system voice so that you can speed up the tutorial voice or slow it down depending on your listening needs. Okay, so we need to go to System Preferences first. That's on my docs. So I'm going to do VOD or Control Option D. Doc, System Preferences, 15 of 21. So I've already landed on System Preferences. I'm just going to press VO spacebar, control and spacebar. System preferences, system preferences, window, toolbar. Okay, I'm going to use VO right arrow, control and right arrow. Preference panes, scroll area. There's my preference pane. Interact that with shift VO down arrow, shift control option down arrow. Interact with preference panes, scroll area, 37 items, personal, personal. Okay, so we're in system preferences. I'm going to do VO right arrow, control and right arrow. General button. To take me to the first icon in system preferences. Now it's going to type in DIC. Dictation and speech button. There's dictation and speech, which is the item we want to do to change the system at default voice rate. So VO space. Spacebar, control and spacebar. Press dictation and speech window toolbar. And we're going to do VO right arrow, control and right arrow. Dictation tab, text to speech, selected tab two of two. Text to speech, which is already selected. If it wasn't selected, I could now do VO spacebar, control and spacebar to select that. Now if I do VO right arrow, control and right arrow. System voice. That's system voice. Alex, system voice, pop up button. Currently set to Alex. So VO right arrow, control and right arrow again. Speaking rate. Speaking rate. VO right arrow, control and right arrow. 33.8%. Speaking rate. Slider. Okay, so I currently had it at 33.8%. So let me interact with that slider with shift VO down arrow. Or shift control narrow. Interact with slider. And let's do VO up arrow control up arrow. 43.8%, 40 Okay, so there's 68.8%. Let's see how fast that voice sounds at that speed. So I'm going to uninteract with that slider with shift VO up arrow. Stop interacting with slider. And now VO right arrow control and right arrow. Play button. And now VO spacebar control and spacebar on the play button. Most people recognize me by my voice. So that will give you a sample of what the voice sounds like when you use the tutorial, in this case, in Silver Dollar. Let's do another drastic voice change. I'm just going to do VO left arrow control from left arrow. 60.8% speaking rate slider. And this time I'm going to make it slower. So shift VO down arrow, shift control down arrow. Interact, interact with slider. And let's make it slower than what I had before. Let's take it down to about 20%. So VO down arrow, control from down arrow. 63.8, 58.8, 53.8, 48.8, 43.8, 38.8, 33.8, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20.8%. Okay, so 18.8%. So let's uninteract with shift VO up arrow, shift control from up arrow. Stop interacting with slider. And let's VO right arrow, control from right arrow over the play button. Play button. Now VO space bar, control and space bar. Most people recognize me by my voice. Okay, so you can definitely tell that it definitely changes the voice rate. I'm just going to leave that there for the moment. I'll go back after this demo and reset it back to a higher speed. But for the moment, let me just press Command W to close the System Princess window. Finder, desktop. And that completes this demonstration of the Silver Dollar 3-in-1 game application for your Mac that you can download from the Mac App Store. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this demonstration. Thanks for listening as always, and bye for now. Vision Australia Blindness and Low Vision Services. Hi there, Main Menu listeners. This is Tim Cummings, and today I'd like to do a demonstration of the Fox L speaker by Sound Matters. And I suggest that when you're listening to this demonstration, you listen to it with headphones because that'll give you the best idea of how these speakers sound. The Fox L speaker 
is a direct competitor to the Jawbone Jambox. And the speaker's been around for a while. It's made by a company called Sound Matters. S-O-U-N-D-M-A-T-T-E-R-S. Their website is www.soundmatters.com. Let me first of all describe the speaker to you. It's about 5.6 inches wide, 2.2 inches high, and from front to back, it is 1.4 inches uh, in depth. Weighs about 9.5 ounces. Let me describe the way the speaker looks. If you look at the speaker on the front, you'll you'll see the two small uh, speakers. They're round. They're domed speakers. They almost look like tweeters, uh, one on each side. Since the speaker's not very wide, you don't hear a lot of stereo separation unless you've got the speaker, basically, unless you're holding it in front of you in your hand. On the right side of the speaker, you have... Uh, on the top, a 3.5 millimeter jack, which can be used to plug the speaker into a subwoofer. Sound Matters does sell a subwoofer for it, or you can use uh, any other kind of subwoofer that you want. Below that is a USB port for plugging the speaker into your computer in order to, in order to charge it. On the left side of the speaker, you'll find a 3.5 millimeter jack. This is to connect the speaker up to any kind of standard device that you want to play it through. Now this is, there are two versions of the speaker. There's the non-Bluetooth version and the Bluetooth version. I have got the non-Bluetooth version, which is cheaper, since I don't have anything here that uses Bluetooth. There's a Bluetooth version which you can use with your iPhone or other iDevices, and in fact, the Bluetooth version has a microphone in it, so you can use this speaker actually as a speakerphone along with your iPhone. Below the output uh, jack on the speaker on the left, is a connection for an AC adapter which comes with the speaker and then on the back of the speaker there's a flip out stand which you can use when you're standing the speaker in an upright position so it uh, the stand kind of holds it in place on the right side of the back of the speaker is a small switch on off switch slide switch you slide the switch to the left to turn the speaker on and on the left side of the speaker you've got two up and down buttons for volume the impressive thing about the speaker is that for a size it really sounds quite good. Let me now um, just play some music through it so you can hear how it sounds. Now the speakers right now um, are sitting right on, sitting in front of me on my desk, so they're probably about a foot away. And as you can tell, you really can't hear the uh, stereo separation because like I said, they're very close together. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna move the microphone up close to the speaker so you can hear and then you can actually hear the separation. Felt her warm mouth on in the summer's air Running in a field of brown Laughing, rolling on the ground Smiling as she pulls you down That's the way she feels about you That's the way she feels play something else so you can hear an idea of the, of the the bass response of the speakers so there you go that gives you an idea and um, I wouldn't say these are room-filling speakers, but they do have, um, you know, they're portable. They do have uh, quite a bit of uh, power. And uh, the battery life on them, they say it's about um, 
five hours. I've, I've got more like 10 hours out of the battery life. And like I said, there are two versions of this speaker. There's a non-Bluetooth version, the one that I have, which is about $150. And then there's the Bluetooth version, which is about $200. The website is www.soundmatters.com. This is the Fox L, F-O-X-L speaker. And it's also available uh, from Amazon.com or from jrmusic.com. For Main Menu, this is Tim Cummings. Main Menu. The following presentation is brought to you on Main Menu, courtesy of David Woodbridge and Vision Australia. To find out more about Vision Australia, visit them on the web at www.visionaustralia.org. Vision Australia. Blindness and low vision services. Welcome to this iOS 6 demonstration. In this demonstration, I want to show you how to use the Do Not Disturb feature in iOS 6, which basically restricts incoming calls to specific people, and by default, that is specific people in your favorites in your contacts. So let me say that I've currently got my iPhone turned on. In this case, it's my iPhone 4S. VoiceOver is running, and I'm currently sitting at my home screen. I've also got hints turned off in VoiceOver. So to enable some of the features in the Do Not Disturb feature, we need to get into the Notifications Center, and that's actually different from just the toggle in the main settings screen that just turns the Do Not Disturb feature on or off. So let me find the settings icon on my iPhone home screen. And we all know, of course, with VoiceOver, it's a one finger flick left and right to move item by item, or drag your finger around the screen. And then, of course, once you find the item, a one finger double tap to activate. So I'll do that now to get to my settings icon. Touch the screen. New stand folder, zero items. And it's going to do one finger flick to the right to find my settings icon. iTunes, App Store, settings. Okay, one finger double tap to activate. Settings, settings, iBooks, button, settings, heading. Okay, touch the top of the screen. One finger flick to the right. Airplane mode, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, personal hotspot carrier, do not disturb, off. Okay, that's the toggle to turn the do not disturb on or off. We don't want that at the moment. One finger flick to the right. Notifications button. Okay, there's notifications button. One finger double tap. Notifications settings back button. One finger flick to the right. Notifications heading edit button. Swipe down from the top of the screen to view notification center heading. Do not disturb button. And that's what we want to use. Do not disturb. One finger double tap. Do not disturb. Notifications. Back button. One finger flick to the right. Do not disturb. Heading. When do not disturb is enabled, calls and alerts that arrive while locked will be silenced and a moon icon will appear in the status bar. Heading. One finger flick to the right again. Scheduled on. Now at the moment, I've actually got my schedules turned on, mainly due to the fact that I've got it restricted for the default, which is 10 p.m. to 7 a.m. in the morning. From 10 p.m. to 7 a.m. Okay, button. It says in the button. Now if I do a one-finger double tap on that, it'll bring up the time function. So let me just one-finger double tap quickly on that. Quiet hours. Do not disturb. Back button. Okay, so that's called quiet hours. So one finger flick to the right. Quiet hours. Heading. Selected from 10 p.m. Button. To 7 a.m. Button. 10 o'clock. Picker item. Adjustable. Yeah, of course, because 10 a.m. is currently selected on the first group, I can adjust it. So if I do one finger flick down. 9 o'clock. I'll change it down to 9 p.m. One finger back to the left. To 7 a.m. Selected from 9 p.m. Button. Okay, so I've confirmed that it's already changed. One finger flick to the right. To 7 a.m. Button. One finger double tap on that. Select to 7 a.m. Now I can do one finger flick to the right again. 7 o'clock. Pick the right item. Okay. Adjustable. And I'm going to change that to 8. So one finger flick up. 8 o'clock.
clock. Okay, and if I one finger flick back to the left. Selected to 8 a.m. button. One finger flick back to the left again. From 9 p.m. button. Okay, so I've changed it from 9 p.m. to 8 a.m. in the morning now. So that people are not in my, as I said, my default favourites contacts. My phone, if it's locked, will go just to my voicemail in my case. Okay, so let me just do a two-finger scrub to go back. Do not disturb. Notifications. Back okay, button. One finger flick to the right again. Do not disturb. Heading. When do not disturb is enabled, calls and alerts that arrive while locked will be silenced and a moon icon will appear in the status bar. Scheduled on from 9 p.m. to 8 a.m. Button. One finger flick to the right again and we can tell that it's now set for that time. Allow calls from favorites. Button. Now, allow call from favorites, that's by default, but you can set up groups if you want to so that the do not disturb will still allow calls through for specific groups such as family, friends, work, etc. One finger flick to the right again. Incoming calls from your favourites will not be silenced. Heading. Repeated calls on. Okay, repeated calls are on. When enabled, a second call from the same person within three minutes will not be silenced. Heading. Okay, so repeated call from the same person will not be silenced within three minutes. And that's it. Okay, so I've basically got mine set up. So I've got my schedule turned on for me. Now it's from 9pm to 8am in the morning. I've selected the group by default, which is people in my favourites list can still call me if my phone is locked, but I haven't yet enabled Do Not Disturb. So let me now do a two-finger scrub to go back to the previous settings screen. Notifications. Settings. Back button. Two-finger scrub again to go back. Settings. Heading. Turn now back in the main settings screen. One finger flick to the right. Airplane. Wi-Fi. Bluetooth. Personal. Hot carrier. Do not disturb. Off. Okay, it's now currently off. If I toggle it, one finger double tap. On. I've now got do not disturb on. So if I go to my phone next to me, now at the moment my phone's unlocked. So if I make a phone call now. My phone should ring. Okay, so my phone's ringing. I'm just going to hang up. Settings. Okay, now let me make another phone call, but I'm actually now going to lock my screen. Screen locked. Okay, so my screen's now locked. Now, because it's in locked mode, that means do not disturb is now activated. So if I dial my phone number again, I should just go straight to my voicemail because this phone number that I'm calling from is not in my do not disturb favourite contacts. So I'll make a phone call again. Do you reach the voicemail box? Okay, and it's gone straight. I'll just hang up to my voicemail. And I tried this out before with my wife calling me. Of course, she's in my favourites list for some odd reason. And it came straight through ringing normally. Now, if you want to check whether your disturbance disturb is actually on or off, you can also verify that from your status menu. So let me just unlock my phone. 111. Slide to unlock. Settings. Now remember, it's still in my settings screen. So just to be nice and tidy, I'm going to press my home button to go back to my main home screen. Settings. Okay, so let me touch on my status line just below the little speaker at the top of my iPhone. 1.12 p.m. Status bar item. One finger flick to the left. Do not disturb. Okay, so I, I know now that I've got do not disturb on. Of course, if I toggled it off again in the settings main screen, it wouldn't come up on my status line. So that's basically the do not disturb feature. So by default, it's people that are actually in your favourites, in your contacts, in your favourites group. And the fact that when people call you, if they're in your favourites list, then the phone will ring. If they're not in your favourites list and your phone is locked, it will basically not ring. And in my case, it goes to my voicemail. So a very, very cool feature. And if you're worried about the favourites group business, the easiest way to just do your favourites group is when you go into your contacts, is just to 
add a person to your favourites list and you can verify what people are in your favourites list of course by going into your phone app, going to favourites on the bottom tab and then you can look at what people's names and all their associated phone numbers are in that favourites grouping. So that concludes this demonstration of the Do Not Disturb feature in iOS 6. Thanks for listening and bye for now. Vision Australia. Blindness and low vision services. On behalf of the entire Main Menu staff, I'd like to thank you for being with us today here on Main Menu. We'll look forward to seeing you back again next week. Meantime, you have a good week and we'll see you soon.